Unless we can find some place where the victims of the plague can be isolated beyond all possibility of even remote contact with the living, the contagion may easily spread over the entire country and perhaps the entire world. And maybe see the nice man in the lab coat, too, on your way out. He has a little something to give you to ensure his funding. I mean, uh, to make you feel better. Yeah. Uh (laughs) Greetings, friends. And uh, welcome in to this, the 139th edition of Fusebox, a toe-tapping little ditty we call Green Monkey Two-Step. And uh, I'm your researching the effects of gamma rays on Man on the Moon Marigold's uh, host, Mark Rose. And over there, the conspirator general of audio enhancement, uh, Milt Keynes, everybody. Uh, thank you kindly. Now, we've got to set this uh, show up properly. And I want to give full credit to uh, the mastermind behind this one, uh, to Milt Keynes over there. It uh, truly truly was his idea. Well, yeah, but it was kind of a jam session, right? Yeah, I guess it was a wee bit from our break room conversation the other day, actually. and Well, right after we had finished taping the last show, as it turns out. So this sort of washed over from that. But, but well, friends, let me see if I can paint a picture for you. Yes, sir. It did go well. <laughs> what are you perusing there, Mr. Keynes? Another uh, P-tape from the orange guy? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no. Uh, Pollard sent us this uh, email about a suspected source of the coronavirus. Really? It comes from beer? I see what you did there. <laughs> Razor wire like wit, my friend. You know, that's this what... will not make your day. What is it? Well, these folks are saying that a possible link to the virus, especially in Asia, could be linked to pangolins. What? Yep. That's what it says. Let me see that. Well, you know, they eat the damn things and use their scales for some uh, medicinal remedies, I guess. Oh, man. This is outrageous. Yeah, you know, I, I hate to say this, but if it's true, right? It's yin yang, my friend. The balance in nature is brought back around. If, you know what? If they're going to hunt these things out of existence, then uh, then maybe they should just reconsider doing that a bit more. Because I tell you, you know what it sounds like to me. What? Like the green monkey AIDS thing. You remember that? Oh well, you know what? This time I'm in complete agreement with you. 
Just like back in the early 80s when they said that the, the AIDS virus had jumped species and uh, that was why all the cases were so concentrated in Africa. Yeah, more lying liars that lie. Totally debunked in 1988, but it took almost a damn decade to get anyone in sync with that idea. Tell you, man, what they really need to look at was the SPCV program and all that uh, shenanigans going on there. That, that stuff's documented. It's not some uh, noise from a tinfoil hat-wearing fanatic. Mr. Keynes? Yeah? I think we have our next show. Yeah, so that's uh, kind of how it happened that we came upon uh, this show topic. And Mr. Keynes has uh, provided me with a King Kong-sized amount of research and data and uh, maybe even one of the missing Dead Sea Scrolls by the looks of it. Uh, but uh, we shall embark on a little journey there, friends. But before we do that... I want to embark on this sidebar journey here by uh, introducing a brand new spoken word piece written by Devin Gatsby James and narrated by our partner in audio crime here at Fusebox, Jeff Pollard. Frankly, I got to say, uh, it, it, when I was putting this thing together originally, I hadn't intended it to be in this particular show, but <laughs> now that it's all put together... I think it serves nicely to set the rather querying tone of this show, friends, and uh, it's just, well, it's just really cool to listen to as well. So anyway, this one is entitled The Float. I have broken off what is safe, where I'm hanging in the balances, neither here nor there, holding my breath knowing I have to go into that fear for air, unsure whether my destination is the best of places, whether it's the answer to questions raised in a moment in time. A moment that holds frozen, slow motion. Like it's hard enough to exit your body, looking at this float and asking, Am I going to make it? Like I just left the comfort of the mothership for another trip, on the basis that I know I can't get where I want to go without breaking away. It's either a stay here and implode, or acknowledge the fear and embrace it. And so I float. I float like the world that existed before and the world I'm aiming for are light years apart. That I'm traveling through space-time displacement and in that space-time continuum is a thought that is ancient. I float as uncertainty equalizes my body, bracing for impact, hurtling towards this new destination. 
New faces placed in a chapter that reads, There's amazing awaiting. So I smile at the miles I've traveled. The catapult average folk won't engage because old habits paralyze them as if in a camera's frozen pose. I have decided to jump. And as I trust this hunch, I say goodbye to the months of pressure building. I have left the building because my time has come. Very nice piece there, written by Devin Gatsby James and read by Jeff Pollard and monkeyed around with by yours truly, The Float. So, uh, yeah, it really does set a tone of terror and wonder and (laughs) possibilities. So, uh, how far back are we going on this thing? Well, uh, not too far. Just, uh, 1675. Oh, good. Well, you were around back then, so... Now cut that out! (laughs) (laughs) Not not going to loiter there, but, uh, yeah, there there is some documentation that supports the notion that a species-to-species jump of a uh, virus now known as SIVCPZ, or CIVCPZ, <laughs> had been uh, postulated as far back as 1675. Now, that was the chimpanzee to human one, right? Yeah, they said uh, that the virus most probably lay dormant in humans till about 1930. The uh, analysis of virus genetic data, perf- I'm quoting here from the text from one of the voluminous texts I have. The analysis of virus genetic data performed by the supercomputer at Los Alamos in New Mexico indicated that HIV had jumped species from a chimp to a human and finally appeared around the year 1930 in Africa. Okay, you know about Los Alamos, right? Yeah. This place is the official home of nuclear bomb building, also alleged Chinese spies, and of course the laboratory that directed secret human radiation experiments on unsuspecting civilians from the 1940s all the way up to the beginning of the AIDS epidemic. Yeah, yes indeed, it, it, uh, it was that same place. And uh, you know what? There, there is newsreel footage of those experiments. Cleverly disguised as just research, folks. Absolutely nothing to see here. Just modern science at work. <laughs> and by the way, uh, this information uh, that we're dabbling in right now, this, all of this information came from a presentation at the International AIDS Conference held in South Africa in the year 2000. So it's public record. So now, flash forward, friends, to the golden years, 1964 to 1977, and this is where it gets interesting. No, you got that right. Now, this is the beginning of the SVCP. 
The Special Virus Cancer Program was set up in 1964. This research program was evidently responsible for the uh, development, the seeding, the deployment of various animal viruses which were capable of producing cancer and immune system damage when transferred between animal species and into human cells and tissue. The SVCP began in 1964 as a government-funded program by the National Cancer Institute. Do I need to read that again? Anyway, located where? In Bethesda, Maryland. You know Bethesda. There's a couple of other organizations with initials up there, too, right? Can you say NSA? Uh-huh. Originally designed to study leukemia and lymphoma forms of cancer, the program was soon enlarged to study all forms of cancer. Yeah, and you know, this thing brought in the big names to work on it. Like uh, Dr. Robert Gallo. He's the guy who co-discovered... Uh, HIV. Right. And uh, Myron, call him Max Essex. He's the guy that discovered the, the feline AIDS thing. Uh, and then you had uh, Peter Duesberg, who claims, I guess to this day, that HIV is not the cause of AIDS. All these cats were connected to the program. Yeah, and, and it's said that it was an international effort as well. Folks from Japan, Sweden, Italy, uh, the Netherlands, Israel, and even Uganda, Africa... So, um, apparently, the main mission of the SVCP was to collect various human and uh, animal cancers from around the world and to grow large amounts of cancer-causing viruses. In the process, many animal viruses were adapted to human cells. Do I need to repeat that? Okay. These cultured viruses, then, would be shipped to uh, researchers throughout the world. An annual report uh, of the accomplishments of the SVCP was published by the National Cancer Institute uh, in 1971. The report indicates a uh, mouse leukemia virus had been successfully adapted to grow in human cells. A, quote, hybrid virus, a mixture of a mouse sarcoma and a cat leukemia virus, was engineered and grown in cat cells. Chicken and feline retroviruses produced cancer in monkeys. Mouse-cat virus hybrids and feline leukemia virus were adapted to human cells in tissue culture. Thus, quote, species jumping was a common occurrence in these experiments. Now look, if you think for one damn minute that all this research going on here was being done in isolation and without testing it on somebody then I'd like to sell you my beachfront property in Utah. <laughs> so, uh, also, joining forces with the SVCP at the uh, National Cancer Institute were the military's biological warfare researchers. <laughs> Are you seeing a pattern at all? I'm, oh, so, on October 18th, 1971, here he is, President Richard Nixon announced that the Army's biowarfare laboratories at nearby Fort Detrick, Maryland, would be converted to research on the cause, prevention, and treatment of cancer. 
as part of Nixon's so-called war on cancer, the military biowarfare unit was retitled the new Frederick Cancer Research Center. <laughs> Litton Bionetics sounds like something out of a Robert Ludlum book, doesn't it? Litton Bionetics was named as the military's prime contractor for this project. The 1971 annual report noted that uh, one of the primary tasks of the now jointly connected National Cancer Institute Frederick Cancer Research Center was, quote, the large-scale production of oncogenic, that means cancer-causing, of course, and suspected oncogenic viruses to meet research needs on a continuing basis. On a continuing basis. And get this. Special attention was given to primate viruses, the alleged African source of HIV, and the successful propagation of significant amounts of human candidate viruses. Candidate viruses were animal or human viruses that might be capable of initiating human cancers. And primate cancer-causing viruses were adapted to normal human cells. Again, folks, this is all published stuff. It's not invented, it's not fake, it's non-GOP sanitized. Indeed. And, of course, uh, sadly, for them, in 1977, the... Uh, SVCP, that just pooped out. And uh, according to uh, Robert Gallo, project officer of the SVCP, he said that uh, scientifically the problem was that no one could supply clear evidence of any kind of uh, human tumor virus, not even a DNA virus. And uh, most researchers refused to concede that viruses played any role at all in human cancers. Now, politically... <laughs> this is, of course, where it all comes together. Politically, the virus cancer program was uh, very vulnerable because it attracted a great deal of money and attention and, uh, unfortunately, had failed to produce dramatic, visible results. But, despite all of this, the SCVP was indeed the birthplace of genetic engineering, molecular biology, and the Human Genome Project. More than any other program, it built up the field of animal retrovirology, which led to the vital understanding of cancer and immunosuppressive retroviruses in humans. And then suddenly... AIDS appeared in the gay population and put the virologists back in business. And HIV, a cancer-causing and immunosuppressive retrovirus, would make Robert Gallo the most famous scientist in the world. Yeah, and if I can add this, those scientists in the SVCP were able to adapt certain retroviruses to infect specific kinds of cells. Like, as early as uh, uh, 1970, Biowarfare scientists were learning to create specific infectious viruses that would attack the cells of certain racial groups. Again, this is not a conspiracy. It's a fact. Can you say anthrax? Hell yeah. So, so back in uh, 1997 there, 
Uh, these two cats named Stephen O'Brien and Michael Dean, both of the Laboratory of Genomic Diversity at the NCI, yeah. have shown that uh, one out of ten white people have AIDS-resistant genes, but blacks in Africa have none. Making you wonder a little, okay, this thing wasn't in fact designed to affect certain types of folks specifically. Yeah, that's been a that's been a thought for a long time. And and uh, back in 1981, when uh, AIDS first appeared, uh, health officials, of course, were saying that uh, there was nothing to fear. Uh, quote: AIDS is a gay disease was the uh, phrase repeated over and over again in the media storm of the day. Even uh, as late as uh, 1987. Uh, that uh, Robert Gallo guy? Well, he told a Playboy reporter, David Black... Uh, I personally don't know of a single case in America of a man getting the AIDS virus from a woman through heterosexual intercourse. But when Gallo was asked about Africa, where AIDS affects men and women in equal numbers, Gallo's explanation was... It happens, but that may be due to differences in sexual practices or more promiscuity, or to a greater incidence of venereal disease. Gallo gave Playboy readers his reassurance of the future of heterosexual AIDS in America by saying, AIDS will never become an overwhelming danger to the general public. The Titanic is unsinkable. Yeah, you know what? We could do a whole show on the stupidity of being adamant. And I mean, honestly. I gotta say, too, man, that, uh... Information on this SV thing is being erased wherever and whenever it can be found. But uh, thanks to things like uh, archive.org and sources like that, uh, you can still find it. Well, I did. Now, I'm old enough to uh, remember a lot of this pig wind from the time and uh, and that the folks were questioning the sources of this uh uh at least at that point considered modern day plague even even back then. Yeah, of course. Oh, and by the way, as long as it only affects our uh, targeted groups, we're fine. But, uh, oops, looks like your nine-year-old son or daughter just got it from a contaminated blood supply. I think this uh, infectious bullseye was painted by Jackson Pollock. (laughs) Nice. You know what? There might be a few folks who get that reference. Uh, Or maybe Ed Harris fans. (laughs) And then pangolins. (laughs) Well, yes! Like, they don't have enough crap on their plate. They have to endure this accusation. You know, it's no secret, friends. We are a sanctuary zone for pangolins here at uh, Fusebox. (laughs) Thank you, Sparky. So I I really don't have any scientific proof that pangolins don't carry this uh, coronavirus variety. But I also don't have any proof that they do. I find it very... uh, uh, challenging to trust uh, expert opinion these days, friends, as it seems to come down to the old adage, figures lie and liars figure, as they once said. And for Christ's sake, it was World Pangolin Day last week. So there's that. Well, I'm a little partial to aardvarks myself. Oh, yeah. Well, who doesn't love the earth pig? Hey! No, 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 no. That's what it means. Aardvark. It's uh, Afrikaans for earth pig. Oh, all right. Gotcha. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So uh, much of this, especially the SVCP stuff, was, uh, is a uh, revelation to me. I did not 
know that. I mean, I kind of recall Nixon's war on cancer thing. But uh, so, so thanks for your uh, journalistic research prowess, Mr. Keynes. Oh, you betcha. No, I, I, I just think we're being gaslighted every damn day on other fronts. So uh, in this day and age of lying in plain sight, a little dose of truth and clarity might be just what the doctor ordered. Saw what you did there. You know, we're going to have to add king of continuity to your uh, long list of monikers. <laughs> Hell, I'll take all I can get. <laughs> so be it. Oh, God. And uh, with that little historical and uh, quasi-scientific retrospective... More than what you get on Fox News. <laughs> undeniably so, Mr. Keynes. We shall now grab up our uh, detailed PowerPoint presentation for world domination on $7 a day, lovingly rendered in Dolby Atmos with real 3D and true-to-life animated pangolins. Thank you. And scram for the exits, but not before thanking our fearless and trustworthy contributors to this edition of Fusebox, Devin Gatsby James and Jeff Pollard for keeping it real and not chenille. And of course, to our now journalistic juggernaut, Milt Keynes, for supplying this show's inspiration and uh, audio assistance perspiration. My pleasure as always. Thanks are in order as well to you, friends, as uh, how the hell could we possibly impart these revelations without hungry ears to feed? Well, we couldn't. It would be just silly, and we all have better things to do, like washing our pangolins. So thanks for pushing play on this edition of the show, and uh, as always, if uh, you have not otherwise done so, kindly like and uh, rate, if possible, and subscribe to our humble offering wherever you may have found it, be it Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or the very unsug themselves. That's the Overnightscape Underground. We do so appreciate your efforts in that matter most sincerely. I have been your resequencing the genome to get a better kick drum sound host, Mark Rose, saying, until our next cartoon.